Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. It's, uh, of course, Iowa Caucus Day. It's also MLK, MLK Day. We'll get to the latter in a bit. But in terms of the Iowa Caucus, I think we start with... Um, the announcement that Rand Paul teased on Thursday oh. and we talked about with Brett Baer on Friday in advance of what it was actually going to be. We had a lot of supposition. He's going to endorse Trump. He's, uh, well, I don't know what else he would do. Uh, well, maybe but, endorse DeSantis, possibly, but he didn't do either. Uh, yeah, so it was a non-endorsement, uh, if you will, that uh, Rand Paul announced. Good morning, everyone. As I told you yesterday, I'm ready to say something about the presidential race. I've had a long relationship with Donald Trump, and there's a lot to like there. I'm also a big fan of a lot of the fiscal conservatism of Ron DeSantis. I think Vivek Ramaswamy's been an important voice. Also, have listened to and met with the independent Bobby Kennedy. I'm not yet ready to make a decision, but I am ready to make a decision on someone who I cannot support. So I'm announcing this morning that I'm Never Nikki. And if you go to nevernikki.net, you can let her know that you're not a supporter either. I don't think any informed or knowledgeable libertarian or conservative should support Nikki Haley. I've seen her attitude towards our our interventions overseas. I've seen her involvement in the military-industrial complex, $8 million being paid to become part of the team. But I've also seen her indicate that she thinks you should be registered to use the internet, that people posting ideas anonymously. I think she fails to understand that our republic was founded upon people like Ben Franklin, Sam Adams, Madison, John Jay, and others who posted routinely for fear of the government. They posted routinely anonymously. And I think her failure to really understand that or to think that you should register through the government somehow for the internet is something that should disqualify her in the minds of all libertarian-leaning conservatives. So I'm announcing today I'm Never Nikki. You can go to nevernikki.net and sign up and show her that you're Never Nikki also. Thanks. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. Uh, Never Nikki, uh, you know, uh, part of the war party, if you will, combined with her... um, uh, her her statements that uh, Rand Paul recounted uh, that you have to register, you have to provide your actual real legal Christian name uh, to, in order to post online. And, yeah, this is essentially government uh, sanction and well, uh, monitoring. Yeah, but she also said to members that it's okay to have a sex change operation if you're a minor, if your parents approve. That didn't sit well with me because okay. I, I don't okay, think— Okay, so are you never Nikki? Well— I mean, if she's the nominee, I'm going to have to support her. But I don't think, I mean, she and DeSantis, I think, are fighting for table scraps in Iowa. Today, we'll see, you know, what happens. But um, 
That that did not sit well because I, I think I'm of the mind camp like DeWine is, is that minors should not get sex change operation well, uh, uh, even with yeah, parental uh, approval. Yeah, I, I wouldn't get uh, too excited about Mike DeWine who vetoed legislation that was sent to his desk and under pressure signed an executive order. He's not exactly a profile in courage on the issue. Um, so let's understand who's where on some of these things. So, yeah, I'm not I guess I would I would say the same thing. I'm not never Nikki in the sense that if somehow I don't see how if somehow she were the nominee and you've got her against Joe Biden, then you have to take your chances with Nikki Haley. I would think that's only logical. But um, but with respect to her. Yeah, I don't think she's afforded herself well. And we say, oh, well, it's this race is over. So why does it matter? Well, you know, what's the point of Rand Paul doing it at this stage? Well, um, you know, if uh, DeSantis does finish third in Iowa tonight, and I'm not saying he will. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and uh, his campaign is done. Right. Then you move to New Hampshire and Nikki Haley's within striking distance. Yep. And, you know, you don't know how these things shake out. I mean, the, the flip side is, say, if DeSantis is done, it could help Trump. Maybe he turns around and he endorses Trump, and that consolidates sort of conservative support uh, uh, around Trump, even those that uh, are a bit persnickety about uh, Trump vis-a-vis DeSantis. Uh, so it could cut a lot of different ways. But, yeah, you know, I mean, if it, it can extend if she is – even if she loses a close race in New Hampshire – it still extends. She generates more money. It could be a one-on-one race. This could go into Super Tuesday. I mean, you know, momentum can shift. So I don't think it's – I think it's unlikely, highly unlikely. But you never take anything for granted until the votes are counted. It, tonight in Iowa, next week in New Hampshire and beyond. And so I think this is somewhat relevant. Not to mention it's also relevant in terms of the discussion of what kind of Republican Party – is the Republican Party going to be? Uh, it's not just the presidential candidate or even the president. It's also uh, the grassroots, the conservative libertarian grassroots that Rand Paul is speaking to that drive the kind of decisions that are made at, for members of the House and members of the Senate and just sort of the culture within the party and what the priorities are going to be. You know, it's that public pressure that provide some discipline, at least for some of those in elective office. And so this is a relevant discussion in the larger sense of it beyond the presidential nomination contest. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You can also text us at 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. Greg in LaGrange, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning. Um, I agree with Dan, not that most people would be surprised about that, uh, specifically though about the way the party's philosophy is evolving or trying to move forward through Rand Paul's eyes. I, 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 am, I am not a Nikki Haley fan, Dan and Amy. I do not like the fact that she wants to reach into our lives to figure out who we are when we make comments government intervention in social platforms. That's what she's backdooring there. I absolutely abhor, abhor. And one of the things that I love about uh, Donald Trump when he was president was that he didn't get us in any foreign entanglements. I don't want to see 
any young men killed in battle because we feel that we need to step out of our box and protect others when others don't help us. I, I fully, and I take a lot of heat about this, but my feelings about how the prosecutor war are from the Grant, Sheridan, and Sherman camp. And I take a lot of heat about that. So I think war is the last option because when it's done and you go to war, you have to fight that war to prosecute it to the end like those three men did and like we did World War II. You have to make sure that your enemy never wants to rear its head again in your direction. And I Thanks. think Nikki Haley is dangerous. Thanks for the call. Greg. I mean, the other thing about Haley is I, th- I find her... He's just a bit flippant and vapid. She she falls into all a lot of the traps of the left. Um, she you know invokes, "Are we ready for a female president?" Right. Yawn. Um, the she said after that uh, terrible school shooting in Iowa that our schools need to be protected like our airports. Really, you mm-hmm. you want a TSA version K through twelve version? You want uh, what? People taking their shoes off and getting groped by uh, people, uh, by, by adults to get into school. I mean, uh, it's just one of those things you say to sound like tough and I'm I'm for securing our schools, hardening the targets and so forth. But it's sort of th- a thoughtless comment. What, what, what do you what do you mean by that? She makes too many comments like that to make me comfortable. So I, I hear that. By the way, I know the the last poll has. Haley moving into second place there, but yeah, forty-eight Trump, twenty Haley, sixteen DeSantis. But um, you know, DeSantis's ground game matters. His endorsements uh, among uh, evangelical leaders matter in the caucus. And for those who think like the um, the inclement weather is going to significantly oh. de- drive down turnout, I, I got to tell you something. Um, so. The caucus is really different than thinking about it like um, elections in in Illinois or elsewhere, because it's it's, it's such a personal affair. Right. Not not you, you know don't not stand just stand in long lines to go vote. It's different. Not just uh, with respect to oh Iowans are proud of first in the nation and they protect it and they're engaged. I mean all that's true, but when when I went in 2012, I went to this grade school in Des Moines and just sat and observed. And I mean, it, you know, this if this is like going out to a social event with your neighbors yeah, and friends. You're going to go play and, bingo. <laughs> and and so it, it's very different. So it, to to not show up for the caucus is almost to like cancel dinner plans with a friend is the way I describe it. And, you know, since it's all right there, I, I, I think you're probably going to get um, you're probably not going to see, I should say, much drop off in turnout. And that probably benefits DeSantis, who has a ground game where Nikki Haley doesn't. So I'm not counting DeSantis out because I think he could still, I think actually he will finish in second place. And I think he persists on. But it's just a conversation, something unique about the caucus. And I am so sick of hearing all weekend long, like, is it, you know, the the weather, is it going to affect Trump supporters? Could Trump lose? No, no, the people in Iowa are coming. How cold would it have to be for you to not go caucus on Monday night? An astronomical, probably 80 below. How concerned are you that the weather might be a factor tomorrow night? Not concerned at all after being here in Iowa for the last 20-some years. Uh, the blizzard slows us down, but the cold weather won't, won't stop us at all.
Yes, mm-hmm. everyone relax, okay? And uh, so Trump, I mean, had this rally in Indianola mm-hmm. yesterday, and they showed up for that or, uh, over the weekend, and they showed up for that, and it was pretty chilly over the weekend. Trump had a pretty simple value prop going into today. Under the Trump administration, you were better off, your family was better off, your neighbors were better off, your communities were better off, and our country was better off. We were never stronger than we were just three years ago, energy independent. America was stronger, richer, and safer, and more confident than ever before when I sat behind the Oval Desk, a beautiful Oval Office with the resolute desk. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of the negative composite of Reagan in 84. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Yes, reelect me in 2024. It's no, so reelect me, essentially. It's sort of uh, interesting. Uh, Jim and Palatine, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, guys. How are you today? Good. So I like the fact that uh, this is the first time I've heard anybody else really mention Robert Kennedy as another alternative. Uh, Rand Paul mentioned his name, how we sat down and talked to him. Um, I, I've given up on DeSantis. I do like Vec Ramaswamy, don't like Nikki Haley, but between Trump and Biden, the divisiveness between the both of them, I don't know. I see Kennedy being a viable option. Uh, thanks for the call, Jim. I, I think uh, Rand Paul was offering you know, niceties in the direction of Bobby Kennedy Jr., but I don't think that... Um, he's going to seriously consider supporting him in a general election. Um, and I don't think that RFK Jr. is a viable option. And I think just because he's saying some things about the Covidians that are correct doesn't mean that he's not, generally speaking, a left-wing crank, which he is. So when you start to tune in to RFK Jr. a little bit more, if you're disaffected from a Trump-Biden matchup and you're uh, right of center, you're going to find some things that he believes about, oh, I don't know, say climate change that are going to be unsettling, to say the least. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank. Sports and politics and sports and politics and sports and politics and intersection. Arrogance and ignorance. Arrogance, ignorance, and arrogance and ignorance. Intersection. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So Friday night Bulls game where they uh, really tighten the screws defensively and only give up about 1,000 points to the Warriors. I, I love the European travel, too. It's so fun. Those that, games that, are so boring. 
that, that I mean, that is just a terrible product, the NBA. I, I don't know how people watch it. And the fan experience for the Bulls at the stadium or the United Center is just awful. It's just, it's, I fell asleep. Terrible. The last Bulls game, I literally went to sleep. Somebody thought I was taking a whiskey nap, Dan. And I said, no, this is just boring. I'm not drinking. Can you imagine if I was drinking? I'd be laid out. This is so bad. Uh, so it got even worse uh, on Friday night because uh, at halftime there was a ring of honor ceremony for, you know, the Bulls, greats of yore. So Phil Jackson was there and Ron Harper and Luke Longley. I think uh, Jordan sent a video, Pippen and Rodman not there. but They tried. Many others, Jerry Sloan's grandson representing Jerry Sloan and Jerry Krause's widow, Thelma, representing Jerry Krause. Well, when uh, Krause's name was put on the uh, big screen on the scoreboard and he was described, the Boo Birds came out. (laughs) And uh, such that Thelma, his, you know, wife, his widow, who's in her 70s, um, broke down and started crying. And in a class move, Ron Harper came over and comforted her. Thank God. So here's... um, how Stacy King reacted when they came, you know, Stacy King, who does color for the Bulls games. Um, he here's how he reacted when they came back from break uh, after uh, that uh, uncomfortable Ring of Honor ceremony. Take your reactions because I'm sure you've heard about it by now. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey Dot Pro answer line six four six three six D A Turnkey Dot Pro text line. Here's Stacy. Stacy. I'm a little upset right now. Yep. Nationwide is on your side, Bulls Nation. Uh, we just had a re- remarkable ceremony bringing back the legends. And I'm telling you what, you know, we're Chicago is a, is a, a sports town. And what we witnessed today when Jerry Krause's name was called and the people that booed Jerry Krause and his widow, who was accepting this honor for him, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I hurt for that lady, brought her to tears. And whoever booed her in this arena should be ashamed of themselves. It was That's not Chicago. That's New York, Philly. Chicago's not like that. We don't have a reputation of being that way. And whether you like Jerry Krause or not, that man brought six championships here. He didn't shoot a basket, nor did he get a rebound. But he, he, put, a six, he put six titles up in this ring. There's a lot of teams that don't even have one. And that was really classic. And I'm, I was disappointed in the people that booed. It was a sad thing. Stacy Wright, 312-642-5600, Turnkey Depp Pro Answer Line, 64636-DA, Turnkey Depp Pro Text Line. I mean, it was a really bad sports moment for Chicago, and I thought the people that booed, they should have been kicked out. It was embarrassing. She was so upset. I mean, she's a widow. She loved her husband, and she's expecting. I don't know what they were expecting. Maybe they could have planned this better, though. I just didn't think that there were that many people out there who hate Jerry Krause. I mean, granted, us you know, back then oh, in the but... media, we called him crumbs because he would always... I always have crumbs on his shirt. And when you're interviewing me, you're like, can you get, you know, get that off your, um, but he wasn't a monster. I mean, he was approachable. He was, he, he did a lot for Chicago. Uh, 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 okay. If you can, since you allegedly covered this, um, of course, the reason that people hate Krause is because of the fights he had with Jordan. Right. Well, I, yeah. Not because he had crumbs on his shirt. I understand it, Dan, that, yes, I understand that that was. The point of contention was that those two had epic fights. So what? People fight with their boss. That means you don't boo them. I don't know. I thought it was classless, and it was so embarrassing. I didn't even want to talk about it this morning. That's how embarrassing I thought it was. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 646-36. Type in DA, then a quick comment. 
Larry in Elmhurst here in Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning. Hey, Krause's job was to do the dirty work for uh, Reinsdorf anyway, but Stacy King, that's the worst thing he's ever seen. 2017, there was over 700 black-on-black murders in Chicago, and that's the worst he's ever seen. That guy well, 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 well uh, okay. It, it was a little bit of hyperbole, but let, let's let's not let's not you know parse his words. The 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 point that Stacy King was making was it was a classless, thoughtless expression of your dislike of Jerry Krause. It, yeah, it's, it's just inappropriate. It's just inappropriate for the moment, obviously. Well, they, I would think that's they obvious. Booed Steve Kerr. Well, okay. Thanks for the call, Larry. But I mean, even Steve Kerr, who I find obnoxious when he talks about anything other than basketball. I mean, there is such a thing as a time and place for things, I think. Yeah. And so, I mean, so this is, you know, we don't have to do what they do. Which is politicize sports. Um, so I mean, you can hold your applause, but you're you're thinking about Steve Kerr in terms of his role in the championships. You're not thinking about him, you know, opining on uh, the Chinese communists, right? Uh, so anyway, that's sort of a separate and distinct because Steve Kerr, it, it, even you know, if there were booze, Steve Kerr would sort of, sort of have brought that upon himself. Thelma Krause did not bring that upon herself, and it's just not. If it was, even if it was Jerry there, uh, I could understand that, and he would probably smile in the face of it. But it's you. You see who is representing who there, represented by his widow Thelma. Jerry, you know. I mean, so it's not like there was confusion. No, no. I've seen some of the. No, they were booing Jerry. You you, you don't do that in front of his widow oh. there in a public setting representing him. I mean, to do does this really need a lot of explanation? And then they quickly quickly went on to Bill Winner. They're like, okay, tax winner, tax winner. Excuse me, because I want to say Bill. Sorry, tax winter. But I'm just saying. I mean, could they have planned it better? I mean, did what do you think? Or just not mention it, but not have Thelma out there. My one of my girlfriends said, no, she was just crying because. She misses her husband. I'm like, I don't think no. that's the case, girl. Come, come on. Well, she's it's it's she's a, elderly. I mean, you're, you're, it's a it's a public humiliation yes. of the lady. Okay. Uh, this I, I I it's a to to me it's been interesting because I posted about this and I made it political a little bit because I think I'm right over the target on this and nobody else will make this it. connection or or they might make it but they won't say it out loud. And what I said is the the same goonish Bulls fans who booed Thelma Krause last night spent generations cheering the dailies priorities. Um, Yes. So, you know, who's booing her? It's not kids. They don't even know who Jerry Krause is. You know who it is? It's ethnic honkies, the rough and tumble Irish and Italian. uh, We're work hard, play hard, big city. Shoulders. It's it's 50 and 60 year old dudes who used to wear the same sweaters Mike Ditka wore, who had the season tickets during the championship run, who are booing Jerry Krause because they're adult babies. We got a great text message. Dan and Amy invite every single person who booed to come on down to center court for another ceremony. Every single one put the fracking cameras in their face and ask them 
what they've accomplished for the world. Yeah. OK. Right. Like like it's so easy to identify everybody who booed at the state. It was whatever. You're fine. Yeah, I get it. Um, the the uh, I got a, a one response. I thought this guy, this guy nailed it on Twitter. Uh, Mace Law. It's the work hard, play hard, big shoulder, deep dish, south side, keep Chicago out of your mouth crowd. Real tough guys, except when it comes to what's happening on their ring cameras. Oh, that is perfect. It is perfect. That's exactly who I'm talking I follow about. That guy. And who and who and who can't and do not make the connection. Cannot make the connection. It, like between uh the dailies who they celebrated because they were cut in and what's happened today. So for example, here's another one. It was lowbrow for sure. They weren't burning who they weren't weren't booing her and you know that. This is from Bronzo one two three. They weren't booing her, and you know that. I'm sorry, she was there. Um, it's how she took it. It's the eggshell theory. You um, you take things as the victim experienced them. Sorry, Bronzo. Um, so, and then he goes on. So you hate pretty much everybody in Chicago except John Cass, noted. Right, because I'm talking about these mooks who were daily loyalists booing a elderly widow because they took Jordan's side in the fights against Kraus 25 years ago. Right. This is the mook mentality. These are apes. This Bronzo 1, 2, 3. These uh, arrested adolescents that uh, populate uh, the score in these sports talk shows. Oh, oh, this isn't New York and Philly. Of course it is. It's the same barbarian set. You think it's so much different? These talk about low brow. What do you expect? What do you expect from people who have, you know, a room temperature IQ? You're going to get low brow. That's what they traffic in. That's not a bug. That's a feature for them. Land in Highland Park. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, first of all, anyone that it attends. Uh, NBA game or Major League Baseball knows nothing about sports and they got something mentally wrong with them to spend a dime. And they are the two worst products that used to be great products. And I deliver a, a lot to Mrs. Krause and she may not have handled the moment, but she understands everything. She's a tough lady. She's a really nice lady. Tips really well. And uh, She's just a class lady, and uh, I can understand her getting a little emotional, but, uh, you know, she's probably on the way home just, uh, you know, I can't say it on the radio. But can you get me in down south, the caddy somewhere? I'm dying up there. Yeah, you come down to all Florida. Uh, yeah, what's the weather like down there? I'm so jealous. Yeah, come to, come on, Don. Bring, bring me up. Shoot me an email. Seriously, if, no. if you want to come. Why not? He means it too. I'm not kidding. Well, I mean, you obviously, you're, obviously, you're not. There's not too many I, loops available right now up uh, in Chicago land. It's going to be 43 on well, Tuesday. I, uh, I try. I didn't get into the caddy game till later in life, and so you got all these lifers that already have uh, ins yeah. in Florida. You know, that go back and forth. I can't get in anywhere. It's, it's terrible. Hmm. And, all right. Uh, let's, uh, let's. And let's I did talk try old Florida through through Bobolink a few years back. Uh, when Dickville was still there, and I, I couldn't get in. He's still there. Still there. Uh, and so, so is Diana. 
But let's let's well let's talk offline about it. Seriously, shoot me an email. Yeah. Okay. Just stand uh, stand holding. Oh, no, I've got I like, I've communicated stuff. with Len before. He's got my email. Okay, cool. Dan at danprof.com. There you go. Any everybody's got oh. my email now. Go ahead. Do your worst. Tony and Roselle. I get a feeling that a lot of these guys that you were talking about that were booing peaked 25, 30 years ago in high school. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The, and the, the, just, I just love the homerism, though. You know, that's that's the fun part that you get from these these animals. <laughs> oh, by the way, I, one other thing I wanted to get to. Yes, sir. Um, at ESPN, apparently, just one more uh, aspect of sports and Oh. Literally everybody gets a trophy at ESPN. I, I cannot believe what they did, and this nobody knows about this. This should be like leading the newscast. So the they perpetrated about a three decade long scam to get their on air talent uh, Emmys oh that God. they were ineligible for. <laughs> <laughs> they use fake mean? names. Fake names. They use fake names. Please. In order to uh, recognize on-air talent who are not eligible for the awards they get. So they got the awards under fake names. Like for Kirk Herbstreet, they used Kirk Henry. For Lee Corso, they used Lee Clark. For Desmond Howard, they used Dirk Howard. They appeared on credit lines as associate producers. So then they win these awards. They uh, remove the nameplate, and they put the nameplate in for Corso and and, and Howard and Herbstreet. For just examples, and they give them a, a they give them the uh, trophies. Oh Why? Why? We just wanted to. It was misguided, but we just wanted to recognize our on-air talent. They, they need the recognition of these phony baloney Emmys for excellence in broadcasting or production yeah, to, or whatever. Yeah, to boost their you know their profile to pad oh the resumes. I mean, it's yeah. so pathetic. And this is why Emmy ESPN award winner stinks. Because they're liars. Oh my god. These are like, this is like the the all the local journalists in Chicago who are all local Emmy award winners. Well, I'm one of those, but you know that was another <laughs> life. That was a lifetime ago, and I didn't cheat. I mean, uh, they're so venal. It's a doorstopper now, Dan. Oh oh oh! oh. You, you have to listen to this person. It's a local Emmy award winner. Oh boy, <laughs> the heft. Five local Emmy. Oh my goodness! That's just that's great. Congratulations, ESPN, for all your phony Emmy awards. What was so telling about the character of an organization like that? The culture there, and I'm not necessarily blaming the honor talent because the the report, the uh, Athletic had know. the story. It, yeah, it doesn't seem like they knew about it, and I'm sure I'm sure the last thing Lee Corso or Kirk or Desmond Howard cares about is some Emmy from some uh, sports. Uh, organization they've never heard of. Anyway, Ron Southside. Hey, Danny, I had to call and just correct that last caller. Yeah, he talked about people going to baseball, basketball games. Well, first of all, the, 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 those idiots, Dan, you described them very well. But he criticized people going to baseball, basketball, and as a person who loves baseball, know the game, coached it, I just want to – I noticed he didn't mention football. With those, he must be one of those bad fans when it's below zero. They'd be out there with their shirts off and stuff like right. animals and stuff. So <laughs> so I, I just hear – yeah, but it was, 
Uh, but I, I I I understand the mental aspect of baseball. It's the only thing in terms of entertainment that I enjoy. So I had to correct the listener. Okay, right. I know All the right. game. Okay, I just Thank had you. to put that out there. All right. Thank you, you for talking about what you call. Thanks. Thanks so much, Ron. I appreciate you standing up for America's game, the game of baseball. <laughs> yes, very good. Nice. Thank you, Ron. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, uh, Governor Jelly Belly and Mayor BLM Brandon continue to try to blame shift the uh, migrant situation in Chicagoland on to Governor Abbott. Uh, Pritzker sending a letter, Brandon BLM Brandon uh, sending a message in interviews and press conferences that uh, Governor Abbott is... Uh, trying to create chaos in Chicagoland and in America as opposed to the sensible policies that they have advanced. That's the play, and it continues. BLM Brandon um, says that uh, Chicago is meeting the moment. Well, as far as the landing zone is concerned, um, you know, no, it was never designed to be a shelter. Look, that's a good question. You know, it's certainly not acceptable for the governor to continue to send people to the city of Chicago, but we're meeting the moment. Meeting the moment, and um, one of the things they're doing to meet the moment is that uh, big talk about uh, evicting people after 60 days from oh, yeah. the uh, shelters that have been set up, and that's, that's on hold. We're not evicting new arrivals um, out, out in the cold this winter. Uh, our mission is to continue to live up to our values um, as we welcome new arrivals. I knew it. I mean, even when he said it back then, you know, we're after 30 to 60 days, we're going to evict the migrants. It was a lie because it's wintertime. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Cause, and also, too, how's Oak Park going to react? Because their eviction notices already went out for January 31st. They have to be out of there, out of that hotel and then out of the church. Um, BLM Brandon also did a sit-down with uh, CBS2, and he was pressed on whether or not he would uh, impose new taxes to finance the provisions for migrants. 
Because remember, you have to start from the premise that um, neither BLM Brandon nor Jelly Belly have a problem with migrants coming to Chicagoland. They're fine with this. Um, not in the way that it's being done because it uh, creates a little bit of a of a, a problem for them, particularly when you have uh, the competency levels of these two, the attention span of these two. But, I mean, in terms of moving a population that uh, is distributed across other countries to Chicagoland and having the city and the state provide their means of survival in perpetuity, they don't oppose that. Now it's just a question of how do they finance it. Right, and this is where they say the federal government has to step in, the federal government has to step in, the federal government has to step in, because they don't want to answer this question. Will now, you as far add as... a tax to help pay for the migrant crisis? Here's what I've said repeatedly. This is an international crisis. And we've that heard requires... you say that. Okay, so, so then, 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 then you know the answer then. Well, the no, federal government. The the, asked, the are you adding is, a tax? The, the answer is the federal government has to do its job. And the people of Chicago want to know: Will you raise a tax, whether it be a property tax or implement something else? Well, it's interesting. No this. one has ever asked me <laughs> if I'm going to raise a tax. In fact, what? in fact, I did not raise property taxes. <laughs> she tried one more time. So you can commit to you not raising property taxes, regardless of how bad the situation gets. My budget. The $16.77 billion that I just passed, 41 alders, I believe, supported this, this, this budget. And so we did all of that without raising property taxes. The evidence is in what I passed. Um, uh. No. The, it's a question that is prospective in nature, not retrospective. Uh, we know the budget you passed, which is, by the way, 40% more spend than Lightfoot's first budget. And it's all and it is all smoke and mirrors for half a billion dollars from the TIF funds. And so, but whatever. I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. I mean, it's just another phony budget. Well, that's what we like in Chicago and Illinois, so you get more of it. But the question is about raising taxes prospectively with the costs that are being incurred based on the obligations you're assuming. And that's the same question for Jelly Belly. They don't really have an answer to that, so they just tell you about all the wonderful things they've done. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Who was that reporter, by the way? She was good. She actually kind of was being a reporter. <laughs> yeah, she did. Not. She did. I mean, she I was tried, shocked. She, she tried three times to get an answer to the tax question, and, and um, she succeeded in making BLM Brandon look like the prevaricating a fork-toothed political hack that he is and not answering the question, talking about a budget he passed and I didn't raise property taxes, so therefore I will never raise property taxes. Is that what you're saying? Well, of course that's not what he's saying. Does he, will he, uh, I mean, is he opposed to raising taxes? No, of course not. He's got this question about uh, increasing the pro the uh, transfer tax on a million dollar uh, uh, residential property sales. Right. He's talked about all, he's but, talking about a city income tax and so on and so forth. He just doesn't want to have that conversation right now because yeah. he doesn't want to deleverage the city with respect to the demands they're making on the Fed. Yeah, but the tax on the sales of those million dollar properties is supposed to fight, you know, homelessness, and I Whatever. think that that's going to fight, you know, homelessness with migrants. Money is fungible, as we know. Um, Pritzker was on. Uh, Clinton Foundation Donor Zero show yesterday, 
you know, doing the same thing, BLM Brandon, it's, uh, it's Texas's fault and the federal government's responsibility. Not enough has been done. There's no doubt about that. And I think that the president needs to do more. The Congress needs to do more. Uh, cities out here that are the target of this political game that Governor Abbott is playing uh, are suffering. And uh, here in Illinois, it's minus 29 degrees uh, outside with the wind chill. Uh, we have migrants that arrive from Texas virtually every day, uh, hundreds, and uh, we don't have places to put them. We don't have enough shelter space here. There are plenty of other cities where, you know, if he's going to send people, they could be sent. But, no, he's choosing only Democratic states, Democratic cities. Because your Democratic city and state and county are sanctuary cities. Yeah. You're asking for this. Well, we're victims. We're victims of uh, Governor Abbott's uh, uh, mission to create chaos. Uh, BLM Brandon, on that same topic, I mean, they're basically uh, doing a pretty good ham and egg routine in terms of this line of argumentation. It's Abbott's fault. We're the victims. Federal government needs to step in. Over 600 buses have arrived in the city of Chicago since I've been mayor. We didn't call for those buses. And the governor of Texas sending buses to the city of Chicago to create chaos in this country. And so our, our effort here in the city of Chicago, of course, is to continue to call on Congress to do its part, to do its job, because we need real immigration reform policy to actually take full effect. Mm-hmm. We didn't call for those buses. I mean, what, what do they expect? Eagle Pass is has a population of 30,000. You think they could take on a million people? Of course they have to disperse people throughout the country because they can't handle it because that, I mean, it's not a sustainable system. We didn't call for these buses. And then you heard him say uh, when he announced that the evictions would be on hold, continuing to welcome new arrivals. Yep. Right. Open-ended. And people are hearing that, that live in, you know, Guatemala, Nicaragua. They're like, all right, we're still going to come. Still open. Well, they're seeing what these big cities are doing in response, Adams and uh, Johnson in particular, which is not reversing any policy. No. They're not saying they're not saying don't come. We need to be able to welcome new arrivals. So we just need federal dollars or state dollars if you're a mayor. A combination of the two. My God. In the state of Maine, they have set up and they're building rent free apartments for illegals. Five buildings they're making turning into. Can you imagine like if you pay your taxes, you live in Maine and you work hard to put a roof over your head for your children and then oh my gosh, when I just go through the border <laughs> Pretend I'm an illegal, then I could get free rent for up to two years. Uh, Over the weekend, uh, to that point about resources, um, a couple of Chicago residents appeared on Fox and Friends, talking to Lawrence Jones there. Sam Sanchez is one of them. Sam Sanchez is uh, on the board of the Illinois Restaurant Association. He's uh, Third Coast Hospitality, that restaurant group, places like Moe's Cantina. Uh Uh-huh. Hmm. Sam Sanchez. Interesting. Sam Sanchez was uh, finance co-chairman of Lori Lightfoot's re-election campaign. Okay. Does anyone think that uh, this situation would be different and the political posturing would be any different 
if Triple Threat was still the mayor rather than BLM Brandon. So um, it's interesting. Uh, again, Sam Sanchez, another titan of industry in Chicago who uh, didn't see the implications of the policy choices and the policy makers he chose now being realized. Definitely the city's been depleted of resources. I mean, resources that have been denied to communities that have been long forgotten for over 50 years. Uh, schooling, education, job training program, um, the homeless. I mean, for years we've been asked for uh, trade schools in these communities, and the funds are not there. Uh, now the funds appear from out of nowhere for uh, newcomers and migrants. Um, mm-hmm. Even long-term migrants that have been here for 30, 40, 50, 60 years waiting for their work visas are still, you know, being being ignored. And uh, and people are coming in, and within a month they have a work visa. And, and what the elected officials should realize is that some of these old migrants that have been here for a long time have children and grandchildren <laughs> that are at, at voted, vote, voting age. This is going to reflect on the next election, yes. and I hope it does. Uh, the, 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 I mean, the, the amount of homeless, you know, I mean, I drive by the Roosevelt, uh, a ramp and it's in there. They've been out there for years and in a harsh winter. Why can't we put them in hotels? I don't get it. I don't understand it. We're asking, why can't you take the residents of Chicago and put them in, in a four or five star hotel with meals, room service, laundry service, medical service? I mean, we've been neglecting the American citizens, the residents of the city of Chicago. I mean, it is across the country. The border has to shut down. And, and I'm going to add, add this number. It's yeah. so important for people to know. No country is south of the border. No. It's going to help us stop this because of the the, the remnants of the money that is sent back. Mexico gets $67 billion a year, Venezuela $4 billion a year, also about $7 billion a year, and so on. I mean, some of these countries are in a race to send people over because this is how they grow the economy. It's so Without true. that, their, their country goes down. Uh, the point about uh, the uh, repatriation of money made here is a good one, but... Um, but, but, but so more people that were supposed to put up at the peninsula. What? What? What, what is he talking about? I don't know. The the money about said the money that hasn't been spent on the west and south sides. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Do we need a Marshall Plan for the west and south sides? Is that it? Did I just say that Beal and Brandon's almost seventeen billion dollar city budget is forty percent more in spend? than just four years ago in triple threats first budget. And what's happening to the population of the city? It's growing or shrinking. I I mean, this whole resource issue, we need to throw money here and we need to throw money. That's the, the one thing that everybody agrees on. And they're wrong. They're all wrong. But that's that's the 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 width of the parameters of debate in Chicago. Uh, We definitely always need to spend more in every possible direction by any means necessary. Now we just fight over who gets priority in terms of receiving those funds. Because that's the way we do it. It spoils a war politics. All the time, every time, different constituencies wrestling with each other for who is at the front of the line. 312-642-5600, Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line. You can also reach out to us on our text line, which is up and running six four six three six. Type in D A, then a quick comment. Mike in Littleton, Colorado. 
<laughs> Good morning, and thank you. Uh, yeah, look, uh, Amy said, uh, can you imagine being a taxpayer in Maine? Well, I don't have to imagine. It's happening everywhere. And then my final comment is this. With all the people bellyaching about these immigrants now will vote. They'll, they'll say, well, I didn't vote for that. Look, you can't own half a dog just because you like the happy face and the tail. You own the whole <laughs> dog, including the fleas. And these people, if they, oh, okay, well, Brandon Johnson, he's not my guy now, but guess what? The next one of his same suit, dem, you know, Democratic stripe, they'll vote for him again. And, and until that changes, I mean, what do you do about that? Nothing you can do. So thank you. Thanks for the call, Mike. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, all the, the this, this wistfulness about a reckoning coming for these big city and uh, big blue city, sanctuary city and sanctuary state politicians. Maybe maybe it'll come from Joe Biden. That's where the reckoning that's where they'll be comfortable uh, delivering a reckoning. Yeah. But but the attitude. The attitude within these cities. I actually think it's pretty nicely summed up by uh, that high school principal. James Madison High School in New York, where they uh, sent the kids home to make yeah. room for the migrants. Well, she's the one. She signed off on that. That was her decision. I mean, she could have no. said no to Mayor Adams, but she didn't. She embraced it. No, I know. Yeah. And and now she's chastising parents who are critical of her. Take a listen. Jody Cohen is her name. This is the attitude of the people in charge of your schools, of your city, of your transportation agencies, of your government. This is the attitude. Please know that I put your kids first. No, you don't. I, I do what I do because I care about children. Oh, my God. And I find it offensive <laughs> that people are putting things on that chat. Miss Salcido, I'm feeling like you right now. I don't understand how... People who never come on a Zoom like this could take an opportunity like this evening to throw mud. This is for one night. One night. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just two weeks, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's offended. She's offended. I know. She sounds like a CTU president. Nancy Northbrook here in Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey guys, good morning. Um, One point I'd like to make is that whenever we are talking about spending and whenever we're talking about debt, I think it is critical that every single time we do it, we should talk about how much that is per household. Because people do not understand that on top of $32 billion of debt at the federal government, and I don't even know now what it is in Illinois, those numbers aren't meaningful. But if you would say, every time you talk about it, 32 billion in debt is, I don't know, let's say 250,000 per household. I think it really would drive the message home to everyone who doesn't understand the big numbers. Um, Thanks for the call, Nancy. Yeah, I I know the Truth in Accounting does a good job of that. Our friends at WirePoints do a good job of that. And it's like, you know, the the debt and unfunded obligations in the city of Chicago. I think it's the, the second highest per capita in the nation behind New York. We've talked about this for years. For, I, you know, it's 
six figures per person per capita. So every man, woman, and child doesn't matter. You, know, you can talk about a number that that is more accessible to people than billions and trillions. It doesn't matter. Not in these places. It just doesn't. There's no evidence to suggest it does. Because all you've seen is people vote for people who double and triple down on the policies that continue to drive those numbers of you know debt and obligations per capita up. So I, I, I don't know how to break, you know, if you, if, if uh, a couple hundred, a hundred, 200, 300 grand, it does, it isn't meaningful to you. Um, then I, I don't know how, how you break those numbers down more granularly. It, point is this. There's a disconnect between those numbers and what people feel like they're paying because they don't even really appreciate what they're paying. This is why the property tax situation is so difficult. I don't even appreciate the fact that they don't own their home, that the these usurious property taxes destroy home equity. But then they go to sell, they, they oh nominally, I paid uh, uh two hundred grand for it uh twenty five years ago and I'm I sold it for two fifty. I made a profit. <laughs> of course you didn't. You took a hammering, but they don't just it doesn't they don't get it. Not registering. $200,000 per woman, $100,000 per man, woman, and child. Do I have to pay that tomorrow? No, you never do. Oh, okay. So what's the big deal? Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. America First with Sebastian Gorka. Weekday afternoons at 3 on AM560. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. I uh, hear from friends about uh, migrants uh, begging outside of Plaza del Lago on the North Shore. Yeah. The uh, Jewel and River Forest. They're everywhere, and I don't know who's who. I mean, I, there, there's one on the Edens and uh, Old Orchard Road. There's California and Irving Park, and they bring their kids with and have signs that say, you know, migrants from, you know, please help. And I, the one family, I, real quick, I just had to tell you this because I pulled over and said, well, what's going on? You don't have a house or they're not migrants at all. They're gypsies or I'm sorry, Eastern European traveling groups. That's what we can't use the word, that word anymore. Because they told me, they said, well, we're here from Moldova. And I said, well, do you have a place to live? And he said, yeah. And I said, so you're not, it's just, it's a scam. So I don't know who's who. I just don't know what's real and what's not real. Well, that's uh, why BLM Brandon is having this uh, meeting tomorrow at the United Center with the uh, suburban mayors so that uh, they can coordinate a response to uh, it's not a crisis. I know Joe Biden said we don't have a crisis at the border, so we don't have a migrant crisis so we don't have a crisis at the border. So I don't want to call it a crisis. This opportunity. Is that better? This opportunity. Why don't we use that word? Um, and uh, I'm sure Gary Grasso, Republican mayor of Burr Ridge. He'll be happy to put up a tent at the uh, Village Center, maybe in front of Capri. Uh, is that a good place for a migrant shelter? Because right now, uh, Grasso, we talked about this on Friday, and these other suburban mayors are either saying, you know, welcome, now get your ass to Chicago, or they're saying, hey, there's no problem. Thank you, Brandon Johnson, for uh, coordinating this regional response. That's what Grasso said, as reported by the Tribune. So um, uh, you encouraging uh, the mayor of your town, you uh, suburbanites, to, uh, you know, be constructive 
do their part so that you can do your part in the Western Burbs, on the North Shore, the Northwest Burbs, the West Central Burbs. I mean, come on. This is a whole of Chicagoland need, and it should generate a whole of Chicagoland response. And that means it can't just be the 27 migrant shelters that BLM Brandon set up. We need one in downtown Glen Ellen, downtown Wheaton, where I, I hail. You know, let me lead the way. Uh, you know, they closed off uh, that one of the main streets in downtown Wheaton uh, and put tents up, you know, that were like during the pandemic. So could people eat, kids uh, eat outside. But like in like you see in Chicago, they've mm-hmm. sort of made that a permanent feature. So, I mean, if that street is closed off already anyway, then why not just turn it into a migrant shelter? Um, a la the CVS, the old CVS in Little Village. And I, again, I say the same thing. I'm sure Grasso will raise his hand and say, I've got this beautiful village center mall that everybody goes to and lots of space. So, um, yeah, let's uh, make sure the patrons at Capri and Topaz and all these wonderful eateries in Burr Ridge that they can feel like they're meaningfully participating, too. And in downtown Glen Ellen and in downtown Hinsdale and Downers Grove and Elmhurst and everywhere else. It'd be great. Suburban mayors step up. Suburbanites step up. That's the call that BLM brand is going to make. Are you going to answer it? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Do you think they're even going to show up? I mean, do you think all 70, they had some conference call between Christmas and New Year's where Brandon Johnson said, I thought just if you were going to be on the line, and there was close to 70 mayors from all these municipalities, even Grundy County, that, that showed up. Like, Okay. I don't even know. I think that they've made their decisions. They've had, you know, their town halls. They've had their city council meetings. There's nothing else. He's not going to change their minds. I mean, they've, you know, boards have changed voted their minds unanimously to make sure that one, you know, to put fines in place for bus drivers. What, what is that? What is that? What does that have to do with setting up a migrant shelter? You can at once uh, at the same time say, well, we we're going to have this ordinance that uh, prohibits uh, uh, unscheduled uh bus stops mm-hmm. and say no but hey but so we'll schedule keep it to the schedule okay uh if they if we're if we've got a train in our downtown then um uh, send them by train and um we're gonna set up a shelter why can't they do that they can do that why can't gary grasso do that he can do that he doesn't have a train stop but but he can still do it and then that becomes a destination I mean, I, I just want people, you know, to borrow the phrase, to live their values. I mean, why can't Downers Grove do it? Sean Caston, he's a Downers Grove resident. I'm sure he'd lead the way. He tweeted out he was proud of Governor Pritzker for sending the letter he sent to Governor Abbott, which we'll get to in a second. I cannot believe the inhumanity of Greg Abbott that made this letter necessary. There's no religious or moral framework I'm aware that curses the stranger in need, but that is exactly what Abbott was ha- would have us do. And so there you go. There you go. Downtown Downers Grove or Sean Caston's block. They have a permanent block party and you make it into a, uh, and you put a migrant shelter there. Western Springs. You know, okay, let's challenge Heidi Rudolph to live the values emblazoned on the signs in front of her house and that she posts on social media. 
and say, no, no, you're not passing them on to Chicago. Western Springs is a welcoming community, too, so let's live as a welcoming community. Let's challenge some people. I love what they did in Grundy County. They officially declared themselves a non-sanctuary county. In LaSalle County, they're still deciding what to do with that. Uh, The letter that Governor Pritzker sent to Governor Abbott that is uh, being hailed by your uh, congressman, Western Suburbs, to Northwestern Suburbs, your congressman, Sean Caston, your leader, that letter, Sean Caston is hailing, saying that's a statement of our values. Mm -hmm. Says what? I love the last paragraph. I mean, this is, it just reminded me of an email from a high school girl. While action is pending at the federal level, I plead with you for mercy for the thousands of people who are powerless to speak for themselves, even though, you know, they sign vouchers, they know where they're going. Please, while winter is threatening vulnerable people's lives, suspend your transports and do not send more people to our state. We are asking you to help prevent additional deaths. Who died? Uh, We should be able to come together in a bipartisan fashion to urge Congress to act. But right now, we are talking about human beings and their survival. (sighs) I hope we can at least agree on saving lives right now. Because, you know, if it saves one life, Dan. Uh, I mean, what's dramatic? Please give me a break. Such drama. Um, Sean Caston has a lot to say on the topic. Uh Uh-huh. Their stories are stories of all Americans. Some are fleeing religious persecution, some from gang violence, some from natural disasters. All are looking for a better life and prepared to contribute to the U.S. economy. That's just factually not true, but it doesn't matter. You think you think Sean Casson's constituents in these suburbs, the majority of them, I'm looking at the vote totals, you think they care that that's not true? They don't. So, again, let's pitch a tent. Let's open our doors, right, Sean? Neighbors, business owners. Sean and Darian. Yeah, well, I'm not welcoming. Uh, I'll represent Darian and say right now we don't want them. Uh, all we want is legal citizens, taxpaying citizens. Uh, you know, send them to Chicago or shut down the border and send them back where they came from. That's, life Life is not easy. And here's a... Here's a real wake-up call, the, the weather we got up here. Too bad. Go back. And Caston, he's, he's a pathetic faggot. I can't stand him. Whoa, all right. No, 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 We don't use that word. Keep it clean, folks. Marty in Naperville. Good morning. I just passed the Hyatt Lyle, and after the wet, that place is empty half the time because I've done work in here. Why not all these find out how many Hyatt hotels in the area and the state net from that, that matter? They have empty rooms. and just put them up in there. Uh, uh, doesn't yeah. our great leader, who's our big, you know, who's going to be the next president, doesn't he own it? I mean, step up, dude. Uh, thanks for the call, Marty. Yeah, we've been saying that since the beginning. I mean, he doesn't own it per se. He has an interest, but he certainly does know the people who run it. Uh, yeah, their last name is Pritzker. Yeah. Uh, I so, don't know if Penny would let that happen or the other guy. Uh, Tom. Well, Tom is the chairman. So, but, but, but I mean, Tom's but. If since since uh, Jelly Belly's uh, in a letter writing mood, yeah, why not uh, pen a missive to to uh, family member Tom? Yeah. 
Why not uh, use the bully pulpit to call on the Hyatt to lead the way, to provide the example for others to follow? Has anybody asked him that? Oh, right. Yeah. Chicago and Illinois political press corps. Hilarious. Uh, Mary Midway. Oh, hi. This is a little off point, but it is regarding Jelly Belly. Um, not too long ago, somebody actually got in his face with a mic, and I was shocked. I was impressed. They're like, they found out how much money was missing from Chicago from the COVID relief money, not to, and unemployment money was being checks were being cashed in countries we never heard of. There was an enormous amount of money. I don't want to misquote. And they got in his face. He had to answer. So what did he say? He comes right out and says. Oh, I try to do the right thing, help people, and the Republicans have to turn it into this. And then people start applauding him. Exactly. Right. All he's trying to do, thanks for the comment, he's just trying to do the right thing. He's just trying to save lives. He's just trying to help people. You cannot get hung up on the details or the results. You just can't. I mean, that's the point. That's the philosophy that has taken hold. I'm a good person attempting to do good things. And that's all you need to know. That's good enough. Consequences be damned. By the way, um, (laughs) there's this legislation that is being crafted by, uh, by, by, well, by Pagliacci Schumer and the lead for Republicans in the Senate is Jim Lankford out of Oklahoma. I mean... Yeah, I saw. The, the, these some of these Senate Republicans are not quite getting the message, to say the least. Against the backdrop that we've been discussing for months and continue to, and that is, uh, you know, quickly maybe right there with inflation being the featured, becoming the featured issue in this presidential contest. Schumer and Lankford, this hasn't been formally released yet. But Fox News was reporting some of the details as they understand them. Yeah, this is sickening. Increased green cards by 50000 a year. Work permits for adult children of H-1B visa holders. Immediate work persons for, to every illegal alien released from custody. And the like, taxpayer-funded lawyers to certain UACs and mentally incompetent aliens. Huh? Uh, 5,000 <laughs> migrants per day allowed into the U.S., I mean, this is on top of the uh, 2 million gotaways so far, the 10 million encounters under this president. Uh, Restrict parole for those who enter without authorization between ports of entry. What has been um, reported has all the priorities backwards. Yep. This is completely out of sequence. And if Republicans move this... Legislation signed on to this legislation. I mean, it's never going to happen in the House. Um, But I mean, this just shows a I don't know where Lankford is coming from, and I don't know how he gets reelected in Oklahoma if he puts his name on this. But the, the, the tone deafness inside the beltway, including with a lot of Republicans. Staggering. And. Um, you know, this was Trump's message at his rally over the weekend in Iowa, invoking that uh, high school in New York that displaced the local residences' kids for the the for migrant families. 
In New York City last week, American school children were kicked out of class so that the school could be turned into a migrant camp. And think of this, a migrant camp. Biden puts America last. I put America first. Our border is so important. Well, I mean, that's the that's a pretty good um, binary that he presents. And I mean, I know he's not the only one, but uh, the Republicans who are on the wrong side of that. Well, they're not Republicans. uh, even I mean, you know, Speaker Johnson, Mike Johnson, this uh, unwillingness to go to the mat on uh, policy changes at the border and, yeah. you know, holding the purse strings. Keeping the purse strings tied until I mean, there is some talk afoot that uh, he could go the way of Kevin McCarthy. Listen to uh, Byron Donalds from Florida. You think the speaker's job is at risk? The way this place operates, I think everybody's job is at risk. This place is a joke. It is a joke. Good for him. He says it like it is. It is a joke. Um, Mary Kay, Western Springs. Hi, you guys. Um, I, I, the letter writing, you mentioned that Jolly Belly feels like writing letters. I got a letter from Sean Caston Saturday. Stupid letter. Anyway, I don't even have to say it, you know. Um, anyway, I can't wait to hear um, how the media reports the meeting that that Brandon Johnson's going to have with the mayors, and they're not required to go, right? No, no. I just want to know who's going to show up. I mean, me too. I mean, I hope Heidi Rudolph makes her way down there. Yeah, for sure. She better get there because um, you know all the the do getters around here, the do getters who um, drive over to the People's Republic of Oak Park, go over to Austin to help and help and help. I wonder if they'll volunteer at the Baptist Church in Western Springs that has already volunteered their space. Um, for um, as a migrant shelter. I mean, are they going to, you know, just turn it into the same thing? Why is Western Springs always think they're different than all the rest of the, um, maybe it's the water because we get it from the springs, you know, not the big lake. I don't know. Thanks for the call, Mary Kay. Uh, we got to jump at uh, the, um, the, the issue of mayors going or not going. Um, if, if uh, I was a resident of, say, Wheaton still, yeah. I would want my mayor to be there. I want my mayor to be there, and you better take a lead on this issue on behalf of Wheaton and behalf of the Western Burbs. You better put it to BLM Brandon and maybe get some of these weak-kneed sisters, uh, mayors of other communities, to uh, either stand with you or stand against. Let's find out where everybody is. I'd be pressing the issue. Don't ignore it. Use it as an opportunity. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, huh. Last week, a uh, U.S. Navy sailor was sentenced to two years in federal prison for transmitting sensitive U.S. military in- information to a Chinese intelligence officer. This guy, Thomas Zhao, pleaded guilty to one count of conspiracy, one count of receiving a bribe, 14 different payments totaling about Fifteen thousand uh, dollars. 
Zhao took to provide photos and videos involving Navy exercises, operations, and facilities between August of 21 through at least May of 2023. Um, the uh, This relationship was continuing to develop when it was interdicted because the Chinese intelligence officer had offered to pay Zhao bonuses for controlled and classified, classified information. Zhao used encrypted communications to transmit the information to the Chinese communist intelligence officer and destroyed evidence to hide their relationship. So uh, basically uh, pretty much dead to rights two years. I mean, that's less than people are being sentenced for walking around the Capitol building peacefully after being escorted in by Capitol Police. I'm talking about January 6th, of course. Right. And then yet over the weekend when pro-Palestinians tried to break down the White House fence and injured police officers, not one arrest. No. Um, this also calls into question the um, brilliant idea that our senators here in Illinois have, talking about uh, Sack of Durban and Duckworth, to um, recruit people in this country illegally to serve in our military as the means to citizenship. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that um, people coming to this country uh, may not love America and they go through a process and they serve this country honorably and so on and so forth, of course, as has happened throughout our nation's history. But there's this other problem. And the other problem is since we don't have control of our border, we don't have a particularly good idea on all the people coming here, particularly say, I don't know, two million gotaways. And so now are we going now? And, and the response from the Durbans and the Duckworths of the world is to say, um, all of you who are coming here from Venezuela, uh, who wants to join the Navy, the Army, the Air Force, the Marines? Really? This is, I think, what some people are saying, uh, meaning, I should say, when they say that um, that may have national security implications that have not been greatly thought through, you think? Uh, for more on this and other topics, please be joined by Steve Bucci. He is, uh, of course, at the Heritage Foundation. He served our country honorably as a special as in the Marines Special Forces. And um, he is now at the uh, Heritage Foundation's Allison Center for Foreign Policy Studies. Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Sorry I got on a little late. Had a phone issue. No worries. Um, what What about this uh, Navy sailor who was convicted of or pled out to, um, well, to treason, getting two years? I find that kind of ridiculous. Just uh, recently... Last couple of years, we had another sailor picture of the area in which he worked on a submarine. The memory kind of thing. Keepsake. Classified area. You weren't allowed to do it. And when they found out, told them, and I think they gave him more than two years of jail time for doing it. Anybody's knowledge, he wasn't trying to pass it to anybody. He just took it for himself. And then you have this guy who's worked by a, a foreign officer asking of what he wanted and how much he'd get paid for it. And this guy gets two years? 
players for that. Not an inadvertent, not somebody that got trapped by somebody. This guy spied because he wanted some extra cash. Gets two years. That's uh, there, there's a problem there. Uh, and and the, that uh, larger issue I mentioned, since uh, you know we're I know it's not a crisis because Biden said it's not a crisis at the border, but some people think it is. And uh, the response from leading lights of the Senate Democrat caucus is uh, migrants serving in our military, even if they don't have legal status in this country, uh, as the means to as as a pathway to citizenship. What's your what's your perspective on that? Durbin should know better, or darn sure knows better. Never, modern times, allowed illegal aliens to serve in our military. By definition, they're committing a crime. Allowed our resident aliens, they're not American citizens, but they have a green card, came here legally, and did all the process. Those folks we've allowed the country and at certain times to be give you some bennies on your track towards citizenship time limits and things like that of letting illegal aliens military and then be the fast track to citizenship say to all the people who have been trying to come in legally stop liver we're going to take the criminals legally. I, I, I realize a lot of folks want to come in here because they just want a better life. Follow the rules. Absolutely not. Not be allowed. Be trusted. They're not vetted. Stupid idea for Durbin and Senator Duckworth and their buddies. Uh, you're cutting out on us a little bit. Uh, are, are you on speaker by any chance? Can you take us off? speaker i'm on uh, i'm on a headset oh okay all right um well so uh one other um just issue on that because this has been alleged and and i just wonder if we have intel to confirm this which is that um based on the uh open borders philosophy of the controlling powers in dc uh countries have uh, that that where we've seen significant migrant populations move through Mexico to the border and into this country, a lot of those countries that are headed by uh, autocrats who are enemies of America, thinking places like Cuba and Venezuela, uh, uh, Nicaragua, are actually emptying their jails and sending people here that are not economic migrants and that have no interest in doing America any good. Is there any truth to that? Is that is that uh, uh, verifiable and quantifiable? I don't know of any specific evidence, you know, obviously, like, you know, in the last couple of months. We know the Cubans did that several times during the, the migrant boat lifts that were, were run there. We did that jails and their their mental institutions as well uh and sent them to america i can't believe that some of their buddies down there for that and are not trying to do it and if you look at 
them coming across the border, close-ups that people always show, these, the, the single moms with the three kids, some of the bigger pictures, majority of those people coming in, single, three-age males, families. They're not poor upon and, and orphans who are coming here for, for work. No, they're, they're looking fit. They're, they're exactly military-age males. Uh, if only one or two percent of those of people that are coming across the border nefarious intent problem. They're not being vetted. The most cursory thing that they can do at the border, you know, uh, over cell phones and, and things like that. Huge security issue. He is Stephen Bucci. He served America for three decades as an Army Special Forces officer and top Pentagon official, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation's Allison Center for Foreign Policy Studies. Steve Bucci, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, did you uh, did you watch any of the football this weekend? Oh, yeah. I watched the Lions game. I watched the Packers game. and. Oh, please don't tell me you bet on the Cowboys. You uh, probably did, didn't you? I hate the Cowboys. I'm, I'm happy to see the Cowboys lose. And uh, also Jordan Love, um, one thing I uh, said early in the season was um, I think this guy is going to be an able replacement for Rodgers, and it's sort of that that will continue that uh, tradition in Green Bay. Somehow they find diamonds in the rough. Uh you know, we can't get a quarterback with a top 10 overall pick, and they get guys in the late rounds and turn them into superstars. And, of course, Jordan Love had a huge game yesterday. But something he said early in the season, this is you know before things really got rolling for Green Bay, which uh, wasn't until late in the season. And nothing changes on you. What's that bracelet say? I am second. I am second, meaning? Yep. Meaning God is first. I am second. It's a nice little daily reminder. Kind of, you know, I look at it as a way to put others first, put God first. Um, you know, life's not always about you. Every day, kind of, sometimes people get caught up in their own lives. Sometimes um, it's a nice little reminder to have. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard not to love that guy. <laughs> He's, it's it's so interesting, humble. too, because of C.J. Stroud said something very similar after a game. We played that clip uh, several weeks back before the, you know, well before the playoffs started. And, uh, of course, Houston rolled over Cleveland this weekend. C.J. Stroud, rookie quarterback. And uh, from Ohio State. And um, so the same thing. And it's like one of those things where you say, well, okay, these guys are so calm under pressure for being so young and thrust into these huge spotlights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe there's something to the prioritization of importance that both of them have spoken about. Maybe, maybe there's something to that. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. 
Uh, I hate to platform race hustlers who uh, posture themselves as victims of their own conduct. Uh, but that's part of uh, what we do on this MLK, MLK Day, that is, is to distinguish the race hustlers, the scam artists, from the true, the truly enlightened, from the leaders that we do profile on this show, like Bob Woodson, who we had on on Friday, and the work of Thomas Sowell and Glenn Lowry and so many other uh, black intellects and real civil rights leaders, doers like Woodson has been for the last uh, 60 years in terms of trying to help people out of poverty across the racial spectrum. So you have to distinguish between the good and the bad so people know who's on the right path, who is setting an example to be emulated. Georgia District Attorney, Fulton County District Attorney, Fawny Willis, has spoketh. She uh, went to church to address this uh, representation made in court by one of the defendants of the racketeering charges she's brought against mm -hmm. Trump and others. Did she ask for forgiveness? She went, uh, the representation, of course, was that uh, she had an ethical lapse in appointing a love interest to be special prosecutor and in this case to be a special prosecutor. And she is the one who signs off on the monies that are being paid to this uh, romantic partner, allegedly. Yeah, who's and a some personal six, injury attorney. Some $600,000 plus have been paid so far for his work. And then there's other questions, too, just because of uh, visitor logs to the White House going back a couple of years and um, questions that I think are fair to ask about to Fanny as well as her uh, love interest about any sort of coordination with the White House in terms of conceiving this case against President Trump and uh, some of his associates. So she went to Big Bethel AME Church in Atlanta and she said, the first thing they say, oh, she's going to play the race card. But she's not the one playing the race card. People were critical of her playing the race card, which is the definition of playing the race card. But anyway, here's what she said. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will. Stumbling all the way. So his flawed, hard-headed, and imperfect child has a message for each of you today. Please find a way to do your extraordinary, God-given assignment and make this community and the world a better place for all of his people. Yeah. 312-642-5600, Pro answer line. You can also reach us on our text line, 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comic. I mean, she, she hired a personal injury attorney that had no prior prosecution experience 
and paid him over a half million dollars. And then they took vacations to Napa and cruises where, you know, they weren't really trying to hide their relationship because there were thousands of people on the boat. And uh, she got caught, and that's her, it's not even an apology. She's saying she stumbled and because she's a black woman. Uh, she called, uh, the prosecutor's name is, last name is Wade. She called him a great friend and a great lawyer in her 30-minute speech at that church. Oh, really? Uh, without, mention, without mentioning him by name. Um, yeah, you can't, uh, she, you know, everybody's going to stumble. But she's doing the Lord's work. That's the most important thing to recall. And look, you can't expect black women to save the world. Um, did, did who who had that expectation? I mean, who has the expectation that any group of people whose only commonality is their race is going to save the world? Save the world from who? Right. Exactly. Save the world how? You're saving us from what? Well, she shoots. I mean, if I lived in Georgia, I'd be like, our tax dollars went to enrich your lover? A, a personal injury attorney. I, 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 nobody saw that. I took until now for this to come out. Yeah, I, I think that I'm, what she said yesterday is more interesting. The, this 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 matter of terms of the representation in court and the nature of their relationship, she's being, I, I believe she got subpoenaed in uh, her alleged uh, romantic partners, divorce proceeding, and so forth. So oh, that, that'll all come out. That get worked out. This is Martin Luther King Day. Focus on the race hustle. Black women to save the world, doing the Lord's work, the sort of the generic sort of stumbling, you know, people stumble. Mm-hmm. It, it's just so tiresome. It's just so tiresome where you rally the community around Fawny Willis because she's doing the Lord's work and prosecuting Trump, this absurd racketeering conception. And um, meanwhile, you, you demonize and you're part of demonizing black success stories. Like on the merits. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about since I mentioned him. Glenn Lowry, who's an econ professor at Brown. He had a good piece, he has a good piece in the City Journal about Clarence Thomas. Um, he, and, and, you know, he's similarly situated in the sense that um, he's a black man at odds with the consensus of other blacks which he uh, writes can be burdensome but also can be liberating. And he goes through Thomas's 30 years on the bench in the high court and um, the uh, quality of his jurisprudence as assessed by legal scholars, the importance of his time on the bench, the impact that he's had, which is really undeniable, whether you agree with him or not. But he says something else, too. Um, he, he says about Thomas, despite his now undeniable skill as a jurist and judge, Thomas finds himself the target of criticism that differs in kind from that revere, uh, from that reserve for the court's other conservative justices. One expects public disagreement with his most controversial opinions. We should welcome intellectually rigorous dissent. It's fine. 
But too often critics attack not Thomas's ideas, but the man himself. This is especially true of black critics, who regard him not merely as mistaken, but as a traitor who has forfeited his state as status as, quote-unquote, authentically black. For them, he is an Iago-like figure, nice Shakespeare reference, driven by a perverse impulse to degrade African Americans. The quasi-religious conviction that Thomas's reasoned defense of capitalism, colorblindness, individual liberty, amounts to a disgust for his fellow blacks is the outcome of a projected disgust for Thomas himself. Right. Well, that's that's clearly true, um, and it is a Shakespearean tragedy in that sense. But um, that's why, like this this day where we're supposed to think about civil rights and the wrongs that were committed uh, in this country by so many during the well, the racial wrongs from slavery to Jim Crow, and uh, et cetera. As well as where we are today, where we've come from, where we are today, and who got us to this better place. Well, I would say that who got us to this better place is not Fawny Willis, is not Jesse Jackson Sr., is not Al Sharpton. It is not the collection of uh, barbaric, white, leftist, identitarians. I mean, it's people... Uh, that, well, it's people that you've heard on this show. It's the Bob Woodsons and the Shelby Steeles and, uh, and, and the success stories that are not political. We, met, we talked about it in the context of Johns Hopkins last week, Mae Jemison, the first black female astronaut in space. Um, Bob Johnson, the founder of BET, successful in business. Uh, those uh, innovative black entrepreneurs who set up Black Wall Street in Tulsa in the 1920s, and and uh, unfortunately some of whom were massacred by racists. But the the thing that Bob Woodson always says, you know, when blacks when whites were at their worst in this country, blacks were at their best. All the stories that we don't know because, unfortunately, the powers that be don't want a full telling of black history in this country, and so they project onto people like DeSantis. And black academics like DeSantis employed in coming up with a curriculum in Florida that to, to that he is whitewashing the history, American history and the history of blacks in America and so forth. When, in fact, of course, this is what they are doing. And, and preying on identity the way that Fawny Willis shamelessly does in that speech she gave at that church. I mean, it's just. It, it, maybe with this die moment we're having, we'll talk to Darvio Mora a little bit more about that next hour. Maybe, maybe we'll have some more people that are willing to say, you know, this is just nonsense and I'm not going to indulge it. I'm not going to cater to it. I'm not going to give it any quarter. I'm going to call it for what it is. I know what you're doing, Fawny. You know, leaning on your identity Casting yourself as some sort of victim of this amorphous force that uh, amorphous force of structural racism and white supremacy and so forth. Black women can't save the world and all this other nonsense. I know what you're doing. She basically wants a free pass because she's black. And you're not impressing anybody. Well, I mean, you're impressing some, unfortunately, but 
maybe more will say, you're not impressing me. Bob in Grays Lake, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Actually, it's Bob in Waukegan, but that's okay. Okay. Uh, I, get the, I get this quote from the uh, Wall Street Journal, I don't know, two weeks ago or so. It was uh, an article and was talking about uh, Mr. Klingenstein's speech reminded me of a profound observation made years ago by the philosopher Sidney Hook. As morally offensive as is the expression of racism wherever it is found, Mr. Hook wrote, a false charge of racism is equally offensive, perhaps even more so, because the consequences of a false charge of racism enable the authentic racist to conceal his racism by exploiting the loose way the term is used to cover up his own actions. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Bob. Um, just on one other matter, since we're talking about Fawny Willis and Trump's legal issues. Um, this is not race-related, although uh, you have Letitia James, who's a black woman in and the Attorney General of the State of New York, who is a race hustler, too, who campaigned on getting Trump, who runs the same rap that Fawny Willis does about uh, systemic racism and white supremacy, the same rap that Biden does, the same rap that the Democrat Socialist Party does. That is their rap. Identitarianism every time, all the time. Yeah, and then they go to black churches where they know that they'll be accepted and forgiven. So just on the merits, since that case is now concluded, of that absurd action, civil action by A.G. James to put the Trump organization out of the real estate business in, in New York City, seeking $370 million in damages. So ridiculous. Um, Kevin O'Leary, who's a real estate developer, you know him from Shark Tank if you pay attention to that stuff, but... Not not really a, a particularly political guy. He was on CNN uh, over the weekend talking about uh, that trial now that it's concluded. And here's what he said about uh, this action by Letitia James on the merits. Well, let's leave out Trump for a minute and let's leave out politics and just talk about what happens in real estate development anywhere. So. If you're a developer and you've got a building on, on a block anywhere in America and it's worth, let's say, $500 million and you want to build a building right beside it, you go to the bank and say, this building is worth $500 million. I'd like to borrow a construction finance loan against this asset and I want you to tell me it's worth $500 million too. And the bank negotiates with you and says, well, no, we think it's worth $400 million. And you fight it out. You're always trying to show your assets in the brightest light with the sunshine you could possibly determine for them. You want them to be worth the very most because you're only going to get a 40 or 50 percent loan to value, as it's called. Then you borrow that money. In the case of a $500 million asset, maybe you get $250 million, and you build a new building with a construction finance loan. And so that's what this case is all about. What, and, and by the way, forget about Trump. Every single real estate developer everywhere on earth does this. They always talk about their asset being worth a lot, and the bank says no. And that's just the way it is. So in this case, when I'm trying to figure out, and I'm not pro or con, or I don't care about the politics, who lost money? Nobody. The bank got paid back the construction finance loan, and a new building was built. And 
if, if you're going to sue this case and win, you got to sue every real estate developer everywhere. This is all they do. This is what they do all day long, every day. So I don't think this thing will ever survive appeal, regardless of what the fine is. This doesn't even make sense. Now, look, I know Trump's got a lot of problems in other indictments and everything else, but but this, if you're a real estate developer, you're watching this, you're saying, what is this? This is ridiculous. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. This is The Morning Show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. The Chicago Teachers Union House of Delegates passed the following resolution unanimously at its January 10th, 2024 meeting. What is that? They have a lot of whereas is this and whereas is that and legislation, uh, reparations and uh, black black families and black children leaving the city and schools that were closed a decade ago and. Uh, Black Lives Matter at school week to begin Black History Month next month. The CTU will host events during resolved that the CTU will host events during or around this week and engage in advocacy on an ongoing basis aligned to the national demands for hiring more black teachers and ending the push out of black teachers in our schools. Is that happening? Proper implementation of restorative practices in schools and ending zero tolerance discipline. Teaching students black history and other ethnic studies curricula and funding more counselors in schools as opposed to police officers. The CTU encourages it resolved that the CTU encourages its members to wear Black Lives Matter at school shirts to school that week and teach lessons about related topics. You mean like destroying the nuclear family? I digress. Resolved that the executive board and all CTU delegates and members of their classroom will participate in the BLM at school week of action by teaching one or more lessons in our classroom from February 5th through the February 16th and share photos, lesson plans, and activities. And finally, CTU results will treat this effort as a structure test in our contract campaign to reject curriculum that does not reflect our racial justice values and is not engaging for our students or user-friendly okay, and so. accessible to <laughs> educators. Uh-huh. I've so. had enough. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's just so, you know, all the race hustling propaganda from your Ibram Kendi's and your Robin D'Angelo's and your Tani Hesey Coates's. And um, I'm sorry, the um, work or at least the complete work of, say, I don't know, Frederick Douglass or Booker T. Washington or modern academics uh, that do not subscribe to the Black Lives Matter agenda as was so nicely laid out on their website back when they were stood up and supported by corporate America in the summer of 2020. Right. That, is not go- that is not going to be welcome in the schools because they're not interested in teaching American history or even the history of black Americans in full. They're interested in agitprop to, again, produce another generation of ill-educated political activists to continue what we've been doing in Chicago for the last, I don't know, half century at least. I mean, the one thing I would approve of is 
talking about corporate waste, where where did that nine million dollars at Black Lives Matter get? Where did that go to? What did that fund? What did that help? That'd be an interesting topic. And then they'll grow up, and those who are able to read and do math at a basic level, which is a small percentage, as we know from the data, maybe they'll end up at the University of Wisconsin Health System. This is um, uh, the DEI from the DEI, of course, mandatory training uh, that's done for the University of Wisconsin Health Systems. White employees are required to check off examples of their white privilege and white fragility. They're instructed to take steps like yielding positions of power to non-whites to atone for their natural racism. They're also directed to take courses to unlearn the systemic racism they were inherently born with. I'll give you a couple of examples from the worksheets. It's very helpful. From the list, select claims you have been guilty of that are examples of white privilege and fragility in action. How might you become more cognizant of interrupting these claims in the future? So this is an example of white privilege, of systemic racism, if you say this, and you're a honky, to a person of color. Let me give you an example. I disagree. That is racist. That that is an example of white privilege. You are not allowed to state that you disagree about anything, apparently, with a person of color. Really? Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Others, um, I already know this. If somebody tells you something they know that you already know, you cannot say, and and it's a person of color, you cannot say that. Well, you're 2-0 now. Mm -hmm. Um, You say that a lot because you do know. (laughs) You are generalizing. That also, white privilege. What else do we have? You misunderstood me, white privilege. The the person of color is incapable of misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll give you another example. From this list, select assumptions you have been guilty of that are examples of white privilege and fragility in action. And again, how can you be better? These are So if you say something like this, or you even think it, it could be a thought crime then you are guilty of white privilege. You're um, othering people of color and, you know, you're part of the uh, systemically racist honky patriarchy. Um, uh, I am free of racism. Racism is simply personal prejudice. See, it's systemic. Um I will be the judge of whether racism has occurred. You, you are not allowed to make judgment calls in this area. From the list, select feelings you've been guilty of, guilty of, that are examples of white privilege, fragility, and action. If you've ever felt attacked or insulted or judged or accused or shamed or angry or singled out, you're guilty of exuding white privilege. Isn't DEI fun? And uh, again, uh, the recent developments in the Ivy League and the news stories about uh, a reduction in DEI payrolls in corporate America, don't be too heartened by that because this is still afoot throughout corporate America and all of the other civil and governmental institutions that are dominated by the identitarian left, which is virtually all of them. 
For more on all of this on this Martin Luther King Day, we're pleased to be joined by Darvio Morrow. He's the CEO of the FCB Radio Network and co-host of the Outlaws Radio Show. Darvio, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. So, um, well, you uh, penned this op-ed for Newsweek, and uh, you said we need to get rid of the E in DEI, or DEI, the equity, the equal outcome piece, but keep the diversity and the inclusion. Mm, I'm not sure I follow. Explain. Okay, so um, there's a lot to unpack here, uh, particularly with some of the incredibly ridiculous examples that, that these people are doing. And as someone who is, you know, known pretty much as, as a moderate in, in this space, um, it drives me nuts to hear uh, the way that people are abusing the concept of diversity and inclusion. Diversity and inclusion has been in ex- existence for 30 years before anybody ever even knew what DEI was. The equity part of that is relatively new. People understood that it helps your organization. It helps, it enhances your, your organization, your company, or what have you, to have diverse voices, to have uh, diverse uh, people at the table that helps everybody. But what has happened is with the E, as far as equity is concerned, we went from the goal of being equality of opportunity to equality of outcome. Equality of outcome is, first of all, impossible. You will never achieve equality of outcome. And if you attempt to, you will end up destroying everything that you touch. So now what's happening is instead of of people understanding what we used to understand, that the goal should be to bring everybody to the table for everybody to have a seat at the table. Now equity, which is, in in my view, very Marxist in nature, and that's really what this is about, is poisoning the entire thing. Now you have people, and you see this quite a bit on social media, you have people assuming that every black person who's achieved every anything in their life is a DEI hire. When the, when the whole idea of DEI as we understand it to be is a relatively new concept, and it's separate from you know, diversity and inclusion efforts that have been around really since the 80s. Well, uh, what, diversity and inclusion, I, I, I mean, I don't even know what that means. Um, I know that these efforts have been afoot, but they've been, uh, they've been of the variety, generally speaking, of this die stuff. It's just not as, maybe perhaps not as absurd. It continues to get absurd with each uh, passing day, more absurd with each passing day. But, but if you um, uh, uh, high, made decisions based on excellence then diversity and inclusion takes care of itself because different people have different talents. And so, um, you know, the idea, I I, I just struggle with this idea that diversity needs a formal steward in in order to occur rather than that it occurs normally in nature if you just focus on behavior, work product, excellence, rather than race or gender, etc., well, here, here's the issue. If you're, because as we know, people say this hundreds of times, there's been parents who've tell, told their kids this everywhere around this country. It's not what you know, it's who you know, right? So if your social circle is not naturally diverse, 
And we all know that people give jobs to people from their social circles, they recruit from their social circles, so on and so forth. If your circle is not naturally diverse, you will not get that, that, that type of diversity naturally. It just won't happen. And really what this is about, and I, I believe I mentioned this in my article, and if I didn't, I definitely said this on social media. The issue is the elite are, if you've ever known people who are in these positions, whether they run corporations, whether they run colleges or things like that, they are very insular people. I do not trust elite to diversify naturally because I know that most of them don't know any black people in their life. It's one of the reasons why they put some of the stupid things that they do because they don't really know. They don't have any experience with us in real life and they don't really know what we want and what we don't. So to me, it's very different. The stuff that you just talked about um, prior to me getting on is very different than, say, for example, uh, what they did in Atlanta, Georgia with uh, Mayor uh, Maynard Jackson, which actually built the black middle class in Atlanta when they were getting ready to uh, rebuild their airport. And it was a multi, multi, multi-million dollar project. And Mayor Jackson said, uh, 25% of this budget has to go to minority firms. And when they bristled at it, they said, okay, well, we, we just want to do the project. And you can have you got the vast majority of it, or you can have 100% or nothing. And the fact that those organizations understood and agreed to that, it created the black middle class. To me, those efforts are totally different than making people sign a pledge uh, to confront their inherent racism, which I don't believe to be true, by the way. I don't believe that uh, all white people are inherently racist. And if you believe that, I think it's counterproductive because if a person is racist and there's nothing they can do about it, what incentive do they have to care about this stuff? Right. So it, well, that's, that, that's well, why that's, I find well, that's myself where, being frustrated often. Well, yeah, well, that, well, that's where the shakedowns come in. You have to you know, pay for absolution. <laughs> um, and so, and so, well, well, that, well, that's the approach, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And it's unfortunate because a lot of these people are not serious on these issues. Uh, you know, perfect example, I tweeted this once, because um, it just so crystallized the mentality of a lot of these actors. Um, down, and I'll use Atlanta again as an example, down in Atlanta, you know, they were building this whole cop city thing where they wanted to build this right. new training facility for Atlanta Police Department, and people were, you know, protesting and trying to burn it down and all that kind of stuff. There was a uh, activist, who complained that there weren't enough black people in Atlanta who were willing to, uh, who were ready for the revolution because they make too much money. So that tells you the mentality of some of the people that we're talking about. They don't really care about the, about black people performing better in this capitalistic system. Their, their goal is to burn the whole thing down. Their goal is not to improve our condition. And that's what is, I think, damaging and poisoning this conversation. And they did damage a lot of equipment down there. So let me ask you this. On this MLK Junior Day, do you think Dr. King would recognize today's America? Oh, boy, I don't know. Um, there's, in some ways, I, I think we have made considerable progress in the country. 
and there's no denying that we still we still have a ways to go but there's no denying that we've made little progress in the country and i think it's unfortunate and it's actually an insult to people like dr king who made the sacrifices that they made when people don't want to acknowledge that you know what i mean i'm not saying that we don't still have problems i'm not saying that racism doesn't still exist i personally have experienced racism before but we have come a long way but the unfortunate thing with a lot of the conversations that are taking place now is that we see almost going backwards you know i i often complain about the, you know the, we hear in colleges you know the, the black only dorms and the black only uh graduation to me that's going backwards because if you are black and you come from black culture and our community, I want white people to have understanding of black folks. I want us to spend more time together. I want us to have more cultural exchanges so that you understand me and I understand you. That's what you should want to happen if you actually want to move this thing forward. And unfortunately, uh, the conversations among race in this country right now is what I call the political ping pong game. So what happens is one side overreacts and then the other side overreacts to the overreaction and chaos erupts. And I believe that there are uh, people, there are actors on both sides of this issue who don't want this to get better. They don't want our, the, this country's racial issues to heal. They want this to continue to be an open wound so that they can benefit from it politically, financially, or otherwise. He is Darvio Morrow, CEO of the FCB Radio Network, co-host of the Outlaws Radio Show as well. Darvio, thanks as always. Appreciate your time. I uh, appreciate you both. Thank you. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Your show keeps me alive during the week. There's nobody I'd rather listen to between 5 and 9 in the morning than you guys. On AM 560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, former President Trump. Closed the show in Iowa over the weekend with a rally in Indianola, where he essentially made this pitch to the faithful. Under the Trump administration, you were better off, your family was better off, your neighbors were better off, your communities were better off, and our country was better off. We were never stronger than we were just three years ago, energy independent. America was stronger, richer, and safer, and more confident than ever before when I sat behind the Oval Desk, a beautiful Oval Office with a resolute desk. So if you're not, if you don't feel like you're better off than you were four years ago, then let's go back to where we were prior to Biden, and that was with me again. Everything old is new again is is the pitch, and probably, you know, fairly compelling with uh, uh, a Republican primary electorate that finds Joe Biden about as attractive as foot fungus. So (laughs) there's there's something to be said for that. But of course, now is Trump the best positioned to accomplish what Republicans want accomplished? And I think the problem that Haley and DeSantis continue to have, Ramaswamy too, is, you know, it's hard to say that I'm the only one or I'm the best one who can beat Biden 
When in point of fact, uh, for DeSantis, you don't really have the numbers to back it up. And to the extent that Haley has some polling that suggests she beats Biden by a wider margin, uh, you know, you, you can be Biden, but I can beat him by a little bit more is just not enough to make a switch for most Republican primary voters, given wow. what Trump accomplished as president and what he's been put through since. Well, here's her closing argument. The only way we're going to win the majority of Americans is if we have a new generational leader that leaves the negativity and the baggage behind and focuses on the solutions of the future. Yeah, that's the typical sort of uh, abstraction that you get from Nikki Haley, it's just it's all so platitudinous and um, wanting. Yeah. And let's hear, you know, we heard from those two. Here's DeSantis. You're never going to have an opportunity where your voice and your vote is going to pack as much of a punch as it will tomorrow night. Mm, Yeah. Well, let's uh, get a local perspective on where things stand. Please be joined by David Chung. Editorial fellow at the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. He's an Iowa native who lives in Cedar Rapids. He served more than a decade on the Iowa Republican Party State Central Committee as well. David Chung, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Morning. Um, So, I mean, is there anything happening on the ground that would lead you to suggest that there may be a surprise tonight? I don't think there'd be a big surprise. The The surprise may be that uh, Nikki Haley is, seems to be gaining ground in Iowa. The Iowa poll shows that. And, you know, it, it's taken a while for her to do that. But I, I, I think the expectation here among everybody, including those who are not Trump supporters, is that Trump takes the Iowa caucus uh, going away. The question more for most of us is by how much, not whether he wins. Well, why hasn't oh. why hasn't DeSantis gotten more traction, even if even because of the ground game that he you know, he spent so much time putting together over the last uh, several months, uh, even if he's able to finish second, uh, it you know, more likely than not will be a distant second. Why, why has he uh, not been able to, and, you know, with with Vanderplatz endorsing him and all these evangelical leaders and so forth? He just hasn't been able to. What's the disconnect between him and Iowa voters, do you think? Yeah, you're, you're right. It seems strange because not only did he had Bob Vanderplatz, a huge evangelical leader in Iowa, endorse him, but our governor, a very popular Republican governor, endorsed him, many other legislative and other endorsements. Um, it's just tough to get over. I, Iowa voters really are, are Trump fans in, in the Republican Party. It's a tough hill to climb. But how rare, I mean, wasn't it rare for Kim Reynolds to endorse a candidate? Because normally the governor of Iowa stays out of it. That that was a surprise. Right. Well, does she have... And for some Republicans, probably even a, a disappointment mm-hmm. in that our governors have traditionally not officially endorsed. And the uh, Iowa voters that are Trump fans, um, how much of that is attendant to... What happened in the last half of last year with the indictments? You know, would do you think this would have been competitive uh, if uh, Trump had not been indicted? I, I don't think so. I, I think that his supporters have become more ardent because of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's won him a lot of new new supporters. And just 
to, to clarify, if you've read my columns, I have been a Trump supporter in the past. I am not a Trump supporter now. And why not? I, I think Trump, uh, Trump didn't do the party any favors on his way out. Among them was going down and making the Georgia senatorial campaigns about him and not about the candidates. I think he cost us the Senate. Two races, we, all we had to do was win one. We could have won them both. We ended up losing both. I don't think he helped there. Um, you know, Trump has made everything has become about him, and maybe it always was. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you know, the, the 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 ego and the I I I stuff. I mean, there's no question, but but you know, the flip side is that. Uh, a lot of what he said in 2016, uh, it still has relevance in 2024, and he's bringing it back. And, you know, I think he's been able to convince a lot of people and perhaps and, and, and in large measure, it's because of what he did when he was president, which is, you know, difficult to top that uh, an actual record to substantiate a claim. But he's been able to basically convince people what he says a lot, which is. Remember, they're coming for me, but they're really coming for you, and I'm standing in the way. And I think a majority of Republicans believe that, regardless of his megalomania. Right, and, and and all along, Republicans have liked the fact that Trump is willing to get pe- in people's faces, that he's not going to sit by quietly and, and watch things and willing to stand up and say what a lot of us have wanted to say uh, but felt uncomfortable saying. On the other hand, to, from where I sit, it feels to me watching him since his presidency that a second Trump term would be the revenge tour. It would not be about making America great, but about restoring Trump to the position that, you know, to the place he thinks he deserves. Well, yeah, although I would say, you know, and, and I look, I've had my issues with Trump over the years, too, when, you know, when it came down to Trump versus Cruz back in 16, I was with Cruz. So, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. But um, the flip side is like where we are today. Um, the revenge tour has to be a part of making America great again, uh, if you will. I mean, he there there has to be a reckoning with the institutional interests in D.C. Uh, in order to clear away the possibility of a brighter tomorrow in America. So, I mean, when people say revenge to, or he's vindictive, he better be vindictive. There, there better be a revenge, a bit of a revenge to, now you can dress that up in, in different language, but at the, the core of it, it's the same as you got to get people that are these uh, central planning, identitarian Marxists out of the way. If you want to usher in peace and prosperity and national comedy, Yeah, and the other the other part of this, uh, Dan, is that I I believe Trump lost the election. I'm in, I'm in that camp. I was a presidential elector, and I believe the several states chose their electors, and those electors voted, and the majority of those electoral votes went to Joe Biden. As much as I was not excited about casting a vote uh, that did not elect reelect President Trump, that was my hope. Um, I fully believe that my vote. You know, I, I fully believe that Trump lost lost the electoral vote, lost the presidency. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, okay, fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I, honestly, I mean, the, the thing about that whole um, litmus test that goes in both directions, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, um, I, I'm just sort of unmo- unmoved by that either way. It's like, I, I, I don't, you know, we, we have a, a pretty good record of what happened in 2020, the unusual nature of, I don't know, 60% of the ballots being cast by mail and the willy-nilly nature in which ballots were sent and the yep. Zucker boxes and the harvesting and Maricopa County and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. It, we can go through it all chapter and verse. Um, but, the, the like, you come down on, you know, somebody says rigging and others somebody says stolen and others says we lost it or they stole it fair and square, you know, favorite phrase in Cook County. Um, or, or, you know, it was legitimate within the bounds of the typical chicanery that goes on during elections, whatever that is. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the point is that it prompted uh, improvements in election administration in, in many of the swing states. We'll see about Maricopa County in Arizona, but certainly that's the case in Georgia and some other states that are relevant here, swing states. But but I, I don't like like the the people say oh Trump relitigates the 2020 election, but then there are people that disagree with his perspective on it that want to relitigate it too, and I don't know where either side gets us uh, gets us to the present. Sure, and one of the challenges today, and you know today is caucus day. Every Iowa political person lives for this. It's minus 14 here. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the weather's been terrible. I actually drove back from a wedding in Chicago yesterday, and the roads were a mess. So we'll see. Um, Iowans are hardy, but we've not had a caucus day like this for a presidential caucus in the past. And you know, caucus is all about turnout. We were talking about this so a bit earlier. A little bit wild card. Yeah, we were talking about this a bit earlier. I want to. Uh, here is my perspective at having uh, gone to the caucus in 2012 and sat in a grade school in Des Moines and watched people, you know, go through the process of caucusing. And um, uh, when Amy and I were talking about it, my perspective was, I mean, it's almost like it's almost like um, it's a social gathering. It's almost like going out to dinner with your friends or something or going to an event with your friends. And it just seems to me that it's like so different in terms of thinking about turnout, regardless of the inclement weather, that it's almost like, gosh, if I don't show up after I told uh, Joni and Sal that I'd show up, I, I'm sort of they're going to be upset with me. I mean, it's like it's such a it's so it's so neighborhood feel that I, I just wonder if no matter what's happening outside, people don't show up in basically the normal numbers. Well, the state party's been predicting record turnouts of right above those of 2016, which was massive. Those have been toned, predictions have been toned down a little bit due to the weather, but everyone is still predicting a very high turnout, which I, I think favors Trump. He is David Chung, editorial fellow at the Gazette in Cedar Rapids. He's an Iowa native living there in Cedar Rapids, who served more than a decade on the Republican Party of Iowa's State Central Committee. David Chung, thanks so much for joining us and uh, giving us your insights. Appreciate it. Have fun tonight. Hey, thank you. Take care. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.
Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.